0: The general theme of the book of Exodus is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham to make his descendants into a great nation. It is the story of God's redemption of his people and of his drawing them into relationship. Of its 40 chapters, the first 18 recount the ways in which this redemption takes place. There is redemption from Egypt through the plagues. Redemption from death through the Passover. Redemption from destruction through the Red Sea. And redemption from the wilderness through God's provision. And it is to this last aspect of redemption that today's verses apply. Now just to set the scene, here we have the Hebrews feeling euphoric after being delivered from their Egyptian oppressors. They have a sense of the freedom and possibility that this deliverance has brought. This is evident in the verses that come before in the songs of Moses and Miriam, celebrating God's act of rescue at the Red Sea. They are joyful and uplifted. Their disposition is summed up in Miriam's song. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Physically, they are liberated, having cast off the oppression of the Egyptians. But spiritually, they are not yet liberated. And then things change quickly. After they cross the Red Sea, they stop in the wilderness because they are in need of water. But the only water to be had is bitter. So they complain. In response, God instructs Moses to throw a tree wood into the water which was then made sweet. Then God gives them some instructions, which if they obey them, will result in God not bringing on them the destruction he had brought on the Egyptians. Then they go on to Elam, where there was water aplenty. On the surface, the meaning of these verses might appear deceptively simple. In fact, they reveal a pattern of divine purpose and human behavior that is to be repeated many times again. The passage is a microcosm of the entire wilderness experience, basic human needs and the struggle to obey God. If we are to learn anything from this passage, it is important to note the sequence and the progression that takes place. First there is need, thirsting for water was their first need. Remember that for the Hebrews, Egypt, although it had been a land of oppression, had also been a land of plenty with water in abundance. Then, after they are freed through the crossing of the Red Sea, everything changes. After the high point had passed and the songs of praise had been sung, The mood of the people shifts, and they face their first crisis. As they journey through the desert, they find that their supply of water has run out. They seek it, but it cannot be found. For three days they travel in the desert without finding water. Then, when they arrive at a place that has water, they find it is bitter. They were unable to grasp. The God who could perform what looked like the impossible task of getting them through the Red Sea could also perform a lesser task of providing them with water for their sustenance. They did not understand this. Did they not realize that the God who was powerful enough to raise the Red Sea for them to pass through could perform a lesser task and supply them with water to drink? Is that not all too often our attitude too? We look to God to deliver us from the impossible difficulties that assail us and then forget that his provision does not end there, but that God also supplies our lesser, but perhaps more essential needs. In other words, part of faith and trust is to realize that God is intimately concerned with all the minutiae of our lives. And this tells us something about the nature of God. God is one who acts and provides, even in the small but essential things. And in all this, God's desire is for us to seek him and be dependent on him alone, the source of living water. Second in the sequence here is complaint. Unfulfilled need leads to grumbling and discontent, just like in some of the Psalms. Instead of recognizing and trusting in God to deliver their every need, they grumble against Moses, asking, what are we to drink? They are hopeful as they see a pool ahead, only to be disappointed when they find it is too bitter to drink. So if their first experience was the need for water, their second was disappointment when they found it, because it was bitter, the meaning of Mara. Not only was Mara a reminder of the bitter experiences in Egypt and of the bitter herbs used at Passover, but it represents a place of disappointment, failure, dashed hopes and expectations, and brokenness. The third aspect is intercession. Moses brings their complaint before God, and in response, God instructs him to toss the wood into the water, which he does obediently. And it makes it sweet. Moses does what God commands, but without understanding why or how it was going to work, just like in earlier situations. He obeys, and this obedience leads to blessing and healing. And so we have need, complaint, and intercession. Fourthly, there is divine response and action. God responds to Moses' appeal. God performs a miracle, and the result is that the water becomes sweet and the people's need is met. Then God follows up with rules. Meeting their need becomes the occasion for God to teach them something of himself. To do so, God vows that the provision made for them will be repeated if they obey God's law. So the miracle is accompanied by the giving of rules for living in relationship, implying that rules are essential for a life-giving relationship to thrive. What are the rules that God lays down? The people are cautioned to listen to God's word as Moses instructs them. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes, but not only listening, if you pay attention to his commands. And finally, not only listening and paying attention, but keeping all his decrees. Then if these conditions of listening, attentiveness, and observance are present, then God promises, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. If we need to be reminded, What obedience to God looks like, it is clearly stated here. All these things are attributes of obedience, listening, paying attention, and keeping or observing. Obedience is made the basis of relationship. To obey God is to know God. And note again how God brought them to this point. First, there was their need then their complaint, then intercession, then divine response and action, followed up by the rules for building relationship. And then finally, God provides for them abundantly again. He brings them to Elam, a place with 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. Elam, with abundant water, was further evidence of God's prodigious care. What does all this mean for us? If we are to find ourselves in this story, I would suggest that it involves us seeing, recognizing, that we have all left something behind in order to embark on our journey of faith. We have abandoned one Egypt of one kind or another, represented in a former state, whether that was the oppressiveness of sin, unbelief, allegiances and idolatries. We are now in a wilderness, poised between Mara and Elam. Mara, representing death, sin, and despair, is at one extreme, and at the other is Elam, representing life, redemption, and resurrection. And in between is that piece of wood tossed into the water Likely a porous log capable of absorbing impurities. Just like Jesus on the wooden cross absorbed all our sins and cleansed us. We can proceed to our elam without going through the cross. And on that journey, God provides us with the rules and practices that deepen relationship through obedience. So that, in the end, in answer to the question posed by the people to Moses, what are we to drink? We can affirm the words of Jesus. If any thirst, let him come to me and drink. Thanks be to God. Amen.